This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. What is up, everybody? Alex and James here with the American Toffee Podcast, bringing you a review, unfortunately, of Everton versus Sheffield United at Goodison Park. James, how you feeling? Pretty bad, honestly. I mean, it's hard to, after having spent two hours of my Saturday morning watching yet another depressing and upsetting Everton performance, to come away with anything, any kind of positives. I mean, we'll, we'll, I guess we can get into it in a little bit, but the fact that we were able to be so dominant at home in possession and concede only two shots and yet somehow find a way to lose 2 0, it just kind of, it's beyond belief almost. And yet, as Everton fans, it's, it's simultaneously unexpected. And yet, we, as soon as we went down 1 0, it's kind of just what you knew was going to happen. I don't know. I still felt like I had hope because. Going down 1-0 on the corner was extremely fluky in a sense that the way the ball whipped in, it took literally every outfield player out of the equation in terms of defending it, right? Except for <laughs> except for Yeri Mina, not that he still had a, ch- a chance, but it, it was annoying. And I, I thought, I still felt that we had a chance. I mean, we weren't necessarily creating any big chances to that point. However, as, as you said, we had the lion's share of possession, and, and I thought that being at home based on our record in the last, I don't even know, even you could say even a year at home has been really good. So I felt confident and and I guess I was a fool for that. Well, when the lineup came out, I think that's where things started to get a little bit worrisome, even before the game even kicked off, because we had talked about it midweek, how we wanted to see some kind of change, some kind of shakeup. And while we did get that with Moise Keane coming into the lineup and Bernard coming in for Alex Awobi, the midfield remained the same and it just was was apparent. And, and Morgan Schneiderlin is the easy target. He gets a lot of stick, but I didn't really think that he played very well or, or played very poorly, rather. I thought he was all right. He was actually looking to get the ball forward a bit more than we're accustomed to seeing. But it, I just don't really know how to how to pinpoint what went wrong. It's just con- a continuation of the fact that when teams come to Goodison and set out to put 10 men behind the ball and defend, we just kind of freeze up and we look timid and unable to break those sides down. And you would think with someone like Bernard coming in on the wing, and he did in spots look really tricky and, and able to create space for himself, but it, it never really materialized into any solid chances. I mean, we had Richarlison looking to do a lot coming in from the right flank. Really, I think Sheffield deserves some credit for forcing us to play very narrowly through the middle. Um, they, they set up very smartly in that sense where we know that most of our play is facilitated down the wing and we were forced to keep things very narrow, very central. And they kind of just kept us at arm's length for, for most of the game, despite the fact that we had the ball almost the entire time. Yes. And it's not only do we look like timid and kind of scared and don't really know what to do when, 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 when they have 10 players behind the ball, it's also a factor of you just, you just see the player's default. It's like one setting and that is move the ball out wide and watch Luca Dean or Seamus Coleman whip it in for you, right? And it just gets really old really fast because that's just not going to be possible. Well, already, as we've seen, right? That's just not possible in every single scenario, especially seeing as how we don't even have really like a center forward to get on the end of the ball. So, I mean, Richarlison had had a really good chance that he should have buried. 
that would have made it 1-1 like immediately after we conceded. It's just frustrating to see no flexibility in that. And then I think, I don't necessarily think the tactical flexibility and how the players are approaching it come down to them. I honestly think it's it's what they're being instructed to do. Because you look at some of the graphics that people are posting online in different scenarios um, from the match, and you see how we have the ball and we're driving forward, and we have three forward players, like a winger, uh, Moise Keane and Gilfie Sigurdsson, all clumped together within 10 yards of each other, lined up against their back line. And then a, lo- a ginormous amount of space on the wing and, and in between um, the central defenders and, and I guess their, their outside midfielder. And you just wonder, why are they not spreading out? Why are they not trying to help create space? Why are they not trying to play the ball off each other? Instead, they're literally just lining up every single time we won possession to wait for a cross to swing in. And even then, their movement's not good enough to meet the cross. Yeah, and I, I agree that I think it does. We've all been very patient with Marco Silva. I think, you know, times last winter, things got really close to the edge. But the recurrence of the same issues over and over again really make you start to question what's going on in training. And he put a lot of those to rest last season. The The zonal marking and set pieces were kind of the easy thing to say last season because we were conceding a lot of goals and that kind of reared its ugly head again. The cross in from Oliver Norwood on the corner kind of took all the defenders out of play and Pickford just kind of mistimed the jump. And I think probably the sun had something to do with it, but you can't really make too much of an excuse and to, to cheaply concede when you're, when you're dominating play in that way, I think kind of deflates the whole team. And, and you'd hope that going into the locker room at halftime, there would be some sort of rousing speech to get the team back on the front foot, come out aggressive, get the crowd back into it. Because really, you know, the, the first 20 minutes of the game were pretty slow. And then there was the altercation with Bernard where he was shoved and somehow ended up picking up a yellow card from it. And I think when the referees pour in, you know, against Everton, it really helps get the crowd into it. So I thought we were poised to have the crowd at full force, the team, with a little bit of extra motivation and we would be able to kick on. And then conceding that cheap goal just deflated everything. And in the second half, I mean, we just could not get anything cohesive together. And it was so frustrating to watch because by the, you know, 50, 60th minute, Marco Silva's resorting to these, what has become a trend for him, which is just throw on every attacking player we have and hope that someone's able to do something. And when you have five attacking players and virtually no midfield, um, it's generally not a recipe for success. There's a reason most teams don't set up that way. And it's kind of frustrating to see him continue. It's just very one note from him. It's like he doesn't have any kind of versatility in his solutions to problems. It's throw on attacking players and hope something happens. And there doesn't seem to be any real rhyme or reason behind it. And that's where I think you really start to ask questions of, of, is this going to is he going to be able to turn this around because if he was trying different things and those different things weren't working I would have a little bit um, more patience but to continue to try the same you know the quote from Einstein I believe is the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting different results I think that Marco Silva um, is a prime candidate to maybe be called insane under those conditions (laughs) well to backtrack a little bit I did specifically want to highlight how poor the referee was yesterday. I do understand as a disclaimer that a referee's job is very complicated and it's it's high pressure and high visibility. However, I felt that the referee yesterday was he just he let far too much go. He allowed Sheffield United to legitimately 
bully players. I mean, Richarlison was on the end of numerous quote unquote tackles that that should have been fouls. Uh, Keen was booked for being dragged back onto the ground by two defenders. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense because apparently prior to that, he grabbed their shirt. Okay, well, well, if that's the case, then you need to book the other two defenders that dragged him to the ground, right? Bernard was booked because he was shoved off the pitch. Still confusing, right? Um, it just it was it was time and time again where 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 it really frustrated me as a fan. I'm sure pretty much everyone else is a fan, and then even the players, right? Because when you when you have a situation like that where you kind of feel as though the person in charge of keeping the match fair and reasonable and that sort of thing is is not up to up to par then that's another way in which you can kind of get beside yourself i mean they're professionals that really shouldn't affect your performance if anything that would just piss me off and make me want to play even better but it's still worth noting that that you know that, that was the case yesterday and it was extremely annoying in terms of marcus silva's changes i'll say the only positive everyone was kind of buzzing about on Twitter was the fact that he actually made changes in like the 55th minute as opposed to the 70th, 70th minute, right? Um, I think I was still extremely surprised not to see Tom Davies get one minute of play. That's probably a conversation for a different day. But you could tell when they come on, as you said, they're attacking players and the instructions seem to be go line up right against any defender they have on their back line and try to meet a ball when it flies in the air towards you in any from any direction essentially and it just it got very annoying because as you said from that point on actually when they dropped Gilfie back because it was Gilfie and Fabian Delph at the moment in midfield we didn't see them have much of the ball at all you know and that that was because as you said we we didn't have any sort of midfield spine then to orchestrate play it was literally just pure desperation yeah, exactly. I think desperation is probably the most appropriate word that you can use. And I guess, you know, if you're thinking like Marco Silva and you've got this team that's sitting basically inside their own 18 and happy to just let us come at them and, and clear balls out and defend resolutely, it can kind of make sense where you think, okay, well, if we throw more attacking players on, then maybe we can create mismatches or outnumber uh, Sheffield in some areas and and create space. But what really kind of ends up happening is you just then congest that area further. And what I would have liked to see is maybe switch out, um, you know, like you said, Tom Davies to come in and allow us to maybe coax Sheffield out from their shape, get them out of position and spread the field more and allow for some more passing lanes to open up in some channels into the front line to kind of reveal themselves. And, and really when you have like five or six strikers on the pitch, essentially, it really just kind of eliminates any areas where even if you are looking for one player to create something, they don't really have the space to do it. And then you're leaving your midfield totally exposed. And we saw us get completely um, caught out on the counterattack and conceded the second. And from that point, I mean, I had pretty much tuned out. I mean, I left the game on, but... <sighs> I don't really know exactly what I would have done differently, but I certainly would have looked to make a, maybe one or two midfield substitutions, bring something a little bit different in that area before I would just go, all right, we're sending on Shank, we're sending on Theo Walcott. And, and again, Theo Walcott hasn't played very much this season, and I know he's not the most popular player amongst fans, but it just seems like when he, whenever Theo Walcott comes on, it's kind of just a sign that we have nothing left in the tank and that we're completely out of ideas. And he's not really the type of player that's going to bring them no disrespect. 
So it's hard to take any positives from this. I know probably people listening or maybe hoping that we'd be able to extract some kind of light at the end of the tunnel situation. But now when you look at you know wholesale, the beginning of the entire season, what we were hoping would be a springboard, a bunch of mid to lower table opposition to kind of catapult us into our race for the top six has now turned into two wins from five. And we've lost to two of the three promoted sides. So not the ideal start that anyone had in mind. Yeah, that's an understatement, right? Not the ideal start. It's it's just so annoying because every season I come into the season and I'm feeling optimistic. I'm feeling like we did a fantastic job during the summer with our summer signings, which I still stand by. And and it just feels as though, you know, we got a lot of the missing pieces and we're ready to start moving forward. And then every season I'm let down and I feel stupid. And the worst part is, unfortunately, since I since I talk on this whole podcast thing, it's officially on record, right, James? So <laughs> so I, it's even worse because I can't deny it. Yeah, you keep the keep the records in like, you know, we continue for for some stupid reason to predict that we're going to win these games. I mean, our our we've got to be like oh for a hundred on our score predictions as far as like getting the right result. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a tough one to record because you do, we do feel stupid. I feel naive. I don't know how this continues to happen week in, week out, year after year, where we expect for some reason things to magically change, but Everton just remain the same. They'll continue to let us down. And again, like, it's not like we were battered, which looking down the pipeline to Manchester city next weekend I don't know how that's going to go. They just thrashed Watford 8-0. It's hard to see where like the next points are going to come from. I think Marco Silva is definitely on the hot seat at this point. And even if I know he's going to set out the team to try to win games week in, week out, but I think it's time to just try something different. You can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again. So it is well past the time that Tom Davies gets a go. And I think he will probably get a start. I believe on Tuesday against Sheffield Wednesday. So hopefully that can like kickstart the team, maybe a lower side opposition. But with the way things are going, it wouldn't shock me if we ended up, you know, losing that game. And if if we're out of any of the cups this early, Marco Silva's seat gets all the hotter. And I don't know if he's going to make it to Christmas if if we continue on this trajectory because we've got some tough games coming up and we really should be in a better position than we currently sit based on who we've played so far. I mean, talking about managerial tenure and, and the length of time Marco Silva has, Martinez was the last manager that lasted two full seasons. So when you think about it like that, and it feels like literally a lifetime ago that we we had Roberto Martinez managing Everton, it doesn't make for good writing. And I don't know that unless it's, you know, unless we're 20 matches in, in the relegation places, I don't know that it makes any sense to sack Mar- Marco Silva um, during the season, because again, someone made a good point on Twitter. If you're any decent manager, right? A manager that we could say we feel, we would feel confident could bring us into the top six, let's say next season, right? Then you're going to look at Everton and you're going to see that since whatever year Martinez left, I can't even remember nowadays, but maybe like 2015, every manager since has had a season and a half or less to perform and then they were sacked. Is that going to make you want to come to Everton? You know, to to a club that is definitely a project, as everyone likes to call us, right? I don't know that it does, and therefore I don't know that it's smart to to continue to just fire managers 
left and right. Um, now, I, I, I do think that I have sort of a spicy take in terms of in terms of maybe some lineup changes. And and one thing I'll say, there's a theory that states essentially that you need to focus on your stronger parts as opposed to trying to better your weaknesses. And for me, that sticks out. That comes to mind when I'm thinking about Richarlison playing on the right-hand side. Because we watch him play on the right-hand side, and what does he do? When he gets the ball, what does he do? He stands still. He might charge into the box a couple steps, but he most likely passes it back to Seamus Coleman because he doesn't like playing on the right-hand side. To me, and I don't think we're going to see it happen, but for me, I think Richarlison needs to go back on the left regardless of who plays on the right, and we need to start playing to our strengths and quickly. Yeah, that's an interesting point and something that I hadn't really considered. And and perhaps our failure to sign a true right winger has contributed to us being in this position. And I do think Marco Silva deserves time. I think the people claiming for him to be sacked, it's a little premature. We do, you know, you take into consideration that JPG is injured. Andre Gomez is injured. Two focal points or, you know, presumed focal points of our midfield. And so we're left with... Delph and Schneiderlin, who in an ideal world would probably be squad players, rotational players. So, I mean, and Moise Keane still needs plenty of time to adapt. So we deserve to give him patience and allow him to develop because we know what a, what a bright prospect he is. So I do think it's premature to, to talk about sacking Marco Silva. But if things continue, like I said moments ago, like if things continue on this trajectory, there's only so far, uh, I think, Everton fans are willing to go and the the management or the administration of the team are willing to go before we just have to rip the band-aid off. But to your point about Richarlison, I, I think, yeah, it would make sense. But then what do we do with the right side? Because it's hard to shoehorn. No matter what, we're going to have to shoehorn someone who prefers playing on the left onto the right. It just becomes a question of who who is best suited to, to sit on that side. And I still do think it's Richarlison. But I think someone like Alex Awobi, who maybe is a little, bit more inclined to uh, take players on with the ball at his feet and maybe have a bit more bit more trickery in his locker. Maybe that can work at this point is kind of speculative. And again, it's, it's a bit presumptuous of us to think we know better than the manager, but based on the evidence of the first five games, six games of the season, uh, it doesn't seem like Marco Silva has a great idea of what works and what doesn't either. Absolutely fair to say. And, and so for me, that says that player Charleston, where he, where he feels most comfortable. And someone else can be shoehorned on the right like he's being shoehorned on the right. But I guess that's a discussion maybe for our next preview episode, isn't it? Yeah, I think so, Alex. Who knows? I mean, if we get a nice cup win on Tuesday, show up against Manchester City and put in a solid shift in a performance and don't get just throttled, it could mean brighter things ahead. And we'll catch you guys midweek once we've had a bit more time to process up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time.